morning. All right. Well, we know where we're turning our Bibles over to. Hebrews 11. That's right. As you do that, I want to make an announcement for us here. And I want to be sure, I just want to announce to the whole church, uh, this is a church-wide announcement, that because of our regular benevolent offering that we give every Sunday, uh, we as a New York City church was able to uh, give $30,000 to the Hope Puerto Rico Fund to help out what's going on there. So... Just wanted you to know where your, your benevolence funds are going. They're definitely going to help rebuild and help the families uh, that were affected by all that was going on there. Also, uh, this upcoming Wednesday, uh, we're going to have a men's leaders meeting. So if you're a mission team leader and you're the man in, of the group, the leader, just the men mission team leaders will be meeting this Wednesday at 730. Also, as I said earlier, we're going to have Solid Rock this upcoming Saturday so the teens can be excited and parents to have a time to go there, drop your kids off, fellowship. And uh, starting next month, not this upcoming Wednesday, but after that, we're going to have the gymnasium open again for basketball on Wednesdays only. So as we do our parenting, our marriage, our singles, whatever, uh, anybody that wants to participate can participate in the uh, free-for-all basketball we're going to have, but there's stipulations to it. If you bring a friend, you are responsible for your friend. So if your friends start acting a little cuckoo, you need to deal with the cuckoo cocoa pups. Not everybody else. So somebody may, hey, why is your friend cussing over there? This is a church thing. You go talk to your friend. So if I were you, and if you're bringing somebody, explain our rules before we get started that everybody needs to conduct themselves in a godly manner. Whether they come to church or not, that's not the issue. You can come, even if you don't come to our church, but you need to act right. So act as if your mama or daddy was sitting right there next to you. All right, let's go to God in prayer, and we're going to jump into our lesson for today. Almighty God, thank you once again for allowing us to be here. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to get into your word. I pray that it will change our lives, it will impact our lives, that our lives will be different. It won't just be another church service, but that we will truly be able to draw closer to you. Our faith will grow. Our faith will be challenged. And we'll be more like Jesus than when we walk in. Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I'm done with my lesson, uh, we're going to be able to ha watch somebody else be added to God's kingdom. And uh, this is uh, Manuary, and we're going to have another man added to the kingdom today. Amen. So I want to start in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 8, 8 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as God as, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. 
If they had been thinking of the country that they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. This is an incredible story. At a high school graduation, military branches came and they spoke in a recruiting time. The Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. There was an hour to speak. Well, the Army, Navy, Air Force got up and they kind of went over their time. So when it came time for the Marine, he had two minutes left to speak. So he stalked up to the podium and he just stood there for about 60 seconds, half his time. And then when it was over, he said, I doubt that there's two or three of you that could even cut it in the Marine. If you can, see me afterwards in the cafeteria. And he sat down. When the whole thing was over, they literally mobbed the Marines with applications. Everybody wanted to go and see what he was talking about. Because that's the model for the U.S. Marine Corps. We're looking for a few good men. You know what? The Bible tells us that God is looking for a few good men and women. 2 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking throughout the earth for people that are committed, wanting to depend on him, wanting to rely on him, wanting to follow him, wanting to trust him. God's eyes are roaming through, looking for who that person is. As big as the world is, think about it. God found you somehow, some way, and he called you here. If you're visiting with us, God found you through somebody. He saw you sitting there at that desk, at the bus stop, at the store, wherever you were, and said, okay, your heart is getting ready. Their heart is there. I need to send somebody for them. By the days of Abraham, the Bible tells us that there were a few good men that God had found. We looked at it, Abel. God saw his offering and said, you know what? He's a good man. We looked at Enoch. God saw him and saw favor with him and started walking with him for years. He was a good man. He saw Noah. And Noah trusted God, even though it would sacrifice some of his family. God said, that's a good man. All these men came before Abraham, and then Abraham comes along. And here, Abraham is probably one of the most significant people, other than Moses and Jesus, Abraham is probably the most significant person in the Bible. And so as we look over in Genesis chapter 12, we find that God sought out Abraham and gave him incredible promise. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God promised to make him into a great nation. And he said, not only that, if somebody curse you, I'm going to curse them. Because not only are you going to be blessed, but everybody on earth will be blessed through you. 
Every blessing you receive today is through Abraham. This is what he's talking about. Our blessings now are occurring because of the promise God gave Abraham a long, long time ago. Now, how did Abraham get such an honor? Because as God was looking through, his eyes was roaming through the earth, he found him. And he found something in Abraham that he noticed that was different. It was his faith. God set Abraham up to be one of the major roles in the Bible because of his faith. Faith is valued to God. It says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. It says in Hebrews 10, 38, my righteous one will live by faith. If he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. See, God calls for us to live by faith. It implies not just any old faith, because see, honestly, we have so much faith, we take it for granted. Some of y'all struggle with faith. You have so much. You know what? You sat down in that chair with faith that it will hold you up. You just, you don't even think about it. You just sit down in it. You have faith in it. Some of y'all go to your car and you just have faith that car going to start when you do it. <laughs> Maybe a couple times, but it's going to turn over. You go home, turn on the light switch, light comes on. You have faith that so many things are going to happen that we just take it for granted. But see, God said, hold on, hold on, hold on. The kind of faith I'm talking about is living by faith. It's not just having faith. Anybody can have it. That, I'm not talking about having faith. I'm talking about faith that changes the choices you make. That means living by faith. I'm not talking about just having some faith, but because of who God is, because of your relationship with God, you make a conscious decision to conduct yourself in a certain way. That's living by faith. That's not saying, oh, Jesus, yes, Lord, oh, help me, help me, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me get out of this ticket. Oh, help me, Lord, I broke my heel down the shoe. Help me, Lord, help me, help me. No, we're talking about a faith that you look at and say, you know what, I'm not going to get on that website because of God. I'm not going to flirt with that person because I'm married to a godly man or woman. I'm not just going to sit in bed and let my alarm clock keep going off and miss my time with the Lord before church. I am not going to be like that. Our faith needs to cause us to live a different way. Because see, a lot of people say they got faith, but Jesus says we need to live by faith. I read a story once about a college student who wrote about the law of the pendulum. The pendulum can never return to a point higher than the point it was released. Because of friction and gravity, when the pendulum returns, it falls short of the original release point. So each time it swings, it makes less and less of an arc until it finally is at rest. This point of rest is called the state of equilibrium, where all forces acting on the pendulum are equal. Some of y'all are like, I'm out of school. I don't want to think like that right now. Okay, so, say you had this long string and you had a yo-yo tied to it. Well, you put it up here at this point and you let it go. It's going to swing over and come back. But it'll never go higher than the point it started. So every time it swings, it will just get lower and lower and lower till it ends. Well, the student went up and he presented this before the class. And then he showed the illustration with the yo-yo. And he said, do you believe the law of the pendulum? Everybody said, yes, yes. They clapped, they applauded, and the teacher stood up and he started walking up front, thinking the class was over, and he said, great, but the class is not over. Class has just begun. 
So the teacher walked up, and he had the teacher, 78-year-old man, stand up against the wall with his back to the wall. And he said, do you believe the law of the pendulum? He said, absolutely. You just showed it. It's proven. He said, great. He had his friend tie a parachute rope to the top of the beam. And he had a 45-pound weight that he attached to it. And he pulled the weight up to the professor's nose and said, if you believe the law of the pendulum, stay there. And he let it go. And it swung over. And as it started coming back, he got all nervous. You can see him sweating. And the pendulum, 45-pound weight, started coming down. He just dove on the ground. He said he never saw a 78-year-old man move that fast in his life. So after the man moved, the student said, did he believe in the law of the pendulum? Everybody said, no. That's right. You said you believed in it, but did you live like you believed in it? If you believed in it, you wouldn't have moved. You would have had so much trust and faith in that law that you just said was accurate and you applauded it. But then again, when it came time to live it out, you ran away. So many times we'll come to church, we'll read the Bible, we'll give somebody counseling, and we tell them to trust in God, believe in God, have faith in God, you need to do this, this, and that. But yet, when it comes time for us to live it out, it's a different story. See, it's not about coming to church and saying it and getting all hyped up and yelling and screaming. And, you know, it's not about doing all that. It's about when you walk out of those doors, are you going to live the way you just talked about? And see, as we started out, it was a whole bunch of amens. All of a sudden, it just changed. Didn't it? Because we all know. We can, oh, this is New York City. People can talk up in New York. But the issue is, are you going to live it out? It's Manuary. We're going to do something in Manuary. Did you? See, the real issue isn't, do I have faith? The issue is, am I living by faith? And this is why we're going to keep talking about faith. Not just so you can be a faithful person in wisdom and knowledge. No, so your life can change. So your life can reflect what you say with your mouth. What you read in the Word. See, it's easy to say we believe in something, but it's a much different thing to actually prove that you live in it. That's why Genesis chapter 22, that's what this is all about. Look over in Genesis 22. It says Abraham was tested. Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, I am here, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And that in itself is challenging. Did Abraham pray about it for weeks, months, years? It says in verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up saddled, and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had enough, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. 
He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. I am here, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught with by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, this is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of the enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servant, and they set off together for Bathsheba. And Abraham stayed in Bathsheba. Incredible, credible story. Then look back in verse 1. It says, the very first sentence, sometime later, God tested Abraham. Now why would God test Abraham? You know, it's easy to say you believe in something. It's a much different thing to prove. Like anything of value, something of value needs to be tested. You know, you go to the store or the bank, you give them a $20 bill. They're going to hold it up. They're going to make sure. They're going to run it through. They're going to test that $20 bill to make sure it's real, it's authentic. You go to the pharmacy, get a prescription. You want to make sure it's been tested and FDA approved. You don't want to just take anything. You got something on there and it says, from Felix. You ain't going to take that. Felix approved. Who cares? You go buy a car. You want to make sure it's been tested. You know, in basic training, people go through basic training in the military. You know what? They're still not the true soldier until they get out there and have those shots fired at them. Until they're in warfare, that's when they're a proven soldier. A ship. You can have the nicest ship in the world. But as long as it's sitting on the dock, it is not a proven ship. It has to get wet. It has to get out in the waves. It has to be seaworthy. Any and everything that is of value must be tested. And the more valuable it is, the more rigorous, the more strenuous the test is going to be. Abraham was chosen to receive these honors by God, but God wanted to test Abraham to see if he was the man that he said he was. Abraham was not just chosen to be the foundation of a great nation. He was selected to be an example for God's people. A role model for what sin, uh, for what faith, I'm sorry, is supposed to be like. So what kind of test was it? This was the type of test that Abraham had to make a choice. Now I want to say this because this is something that you, especially you learn in school. In school you get multiple, quest, multiple choice questions. You know what? On that multiple choice, if you leave anything blank, it's wrong. You need to put an answer. You have to answer it. So many times if life comes up, there's people that we even deal with, they just, I don't know, I, I don't know, I, I have nothing to say. Well, you've made a choice. Your choice is no. And this is what we got to realize. By faith, we now make choices according to our faith. Now our faith can guide us to say the answers to those tough questions. It came down to Abraham. And this was a choice he had to make. 
Did he love his son more than he loved God? Jesus told his followers that sooner or later, all of us will have to answer this very question. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Look at Matthew 10, verse 37. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37 to 39, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Sooner or later, each of us are going to have to answer the question, do I love God or do I love my family more? Do I love my God more or my job more? Do I love my God more or my husband and wife more? Do I love my God more or do I love my website, social media more? It's going to be a question. It's going to be different for each of us, but we're still going to have to answer the question. Because this is what Jesus said is going to happen. You are going to be challenged to make a choice. Why? Because your faith is going to have to be proven genuine or not. It's not like you're in sin, so now you've got to make a choice. Abraham wasn't in sin. He was a faithful man. He was doing what God wanted him to do. But he still had to have his faith tested. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says it this way. Now, I'm talking about this because a lot of times we don't like tests. And that's why it's so quiet up in here. We want to just get out of it. We want the cliff notes. We don't want to do all the studying. I was in college. We called him Cliff Notez. Instead of reading, we just want the abbreviated version so we can get by. But that doesn't make you know the subject, just those short notes. And so many times we want the quick burst of faith instead of getting the full fulfillment of faith. In verse 12, 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. In other words, Paul is saying, I know God is trustworthy. And if I give him the things that I consider precious to me, he'll take care of them. See, the issue goes back to our trust in God. That's what faith is all about, our trust in God. People say, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. Okay, let me ask you this. When the answer is no to your faithful prayer, do you still love and trust God as much as before? When you pray about it and he says, yes, oh, I love you so much more. What about when you pray and he says, no? Do you say, oh, I still love you so much more? Or is it, well, what's up with that? What you doing? You know my heart. Why aren't you answering this prayer? See, the issue is, do you still, does your trust grow when the answer is no? And look back at Genesis 22. Look at what Abraham said. Genesis 22, verse 5. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, wait a minute. He's going to kill his son. How are we coming back? That don't make too much sense. But then you look back in Hebrews 11. You say, I was just over there. Why am I flipping back and forth? Stay with me. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He had received the promises. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God has said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back 
from the dead. You know, the Bible said that Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. See, here's the thing. Even when you're going through challenging situations, sometimes we get full of stress, anxiety, and faithlessness. But sometimes we need to do what it says in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Because, amen, when you're still and know who God is, now you can reason yourself out of this situation. Because he said, wait a minute, I was too old to even have kids, and God allowed me to have a kid. That's a miracle. And through this kid, I'm going to have all these nations of people going to be blessed. Now, if God is telling me to sacrifice this kid, okay, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But let me go back and reason, wait a minute, if he gave me this kid through a miracle, then he can do another miracle. That if I sacrifice him, he can bring him back from the dead. You know what? I'm good with this sacrifice. Let's roll out, Isaac. Now, here's the thing. He reasoned himself through it. He didn't let his feelings and his emotions take him away. Oh, my God, no, not my baby, not my baby. Instead, he was still and knew who God was. In other words, I know who God is. I'm not going to play God. I know who he is. So I'm going to trust who I know he is. Now, think about it. He had a three-day journey to get there. You know how many questions could have popped up in his mind? In three days, riding on it. Looking back at his boy, remembering all those things. I remember how he threw his first rock in the water. I mean, I mean you know, he could have definitely got emotional. But yet, his journey wasn't full of questioning and doubt. His journey was full of reasoning with God. I believe instead of riding and questioning and being anxious, he was riding and talking to God for three days. God, help me. God, how can I do this? How is this going to happen? He reasoned with God for three days. So when it came time to show his faith, he was good to go. He didn't have to be questioned. He didn't have to talk through. At that point, he said, no, I'm good. You stay here. We're going over there, and we'll be back. How long does it, first of all, do you ever reason your way back to faith? How long does it take for you to do it? I've been struggling with this for years. If you only knew. No, if you only knew who God was, you wouldn't be struggling that long with it. He's asking to sacrifice his son. And in three to at least three days at the most, I should say, he was good to go. We have a challenging situation, and it takes us months to even think about praying about it, think about getting advice about it, think about it just goes on and on. Right, this is why he is the father of our faith. If it came down to sacrificing our child, some of y'all are like, oh, ain't no problem with me. But in all actuality, when we're challenged with something, Many people have a breakdown. Many people just get so flustered instead of Psalm 46, be still. Why are you getting so, so restless about this? If you know who God is, be still and know him. Well, I just can't do that. Okay, fine. Take a day or two or even three and just you and God pray. You can do that. See, this is what it comes down to. How much trust do we have when the answer is no or when the situation looks impossible? That's what faith is all about. That's the repeated message throughout the scripture. Faith is acting on our belief in what in a God who you a God who you trust. Even when trusting him doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's like I just don't understand this. I'm sure Abraham didn't understand it either. But he reasoned, you know what? This is what's gonna be best for me spiritually. This is what's gonna be best for my family. 
Now, if Abraham had got caught up in his in his in his feelings, in his bed, in himself, whatever y'all say nowadays, oh, I forgot for so many days. If he had been caught up in his bag, if that was the case, you wouldn't be blessed today. Because through him, we're blessed. So if he is still in his bag, I guess a bag, you would be somewhere else. That's the kind of God that we serve. God doesn't need me to accomplish his purpose. I just get to participate in it. It's a blessing. He can still do it without me. But you know what? It's a blessing that he says, I want you a part of this team. Let me close with this. The key to Abraham's kind of faith is this. If you get nothing else, understand this. The key to his faith was his willingness to take the test. Some of us aren't even willing to take the test. Aren't even willing to have our faith tested. We just want to get baptized and we just want to have a good life until Jesus comes back. He says, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Your faith needs to be tested along the way. Proven genuine. A man by the name of Steve Winger told of his last college exam. It was a final in his class in logic. The professor was known for giving difficult exams. Steve noted that the professor did make one concession. To help the rest, to help us out on our test, the professor told us we could bring as much information as we could fit on one notebook-sized piece of paper. Eight and a half, eight by whatever, however big that is. Most students scrammed, crammed and put as much information on that piece of paper as they could. But Steve, thinking to himself, I know what I need to do. Walked into class, laid the paper on the floor, and then he brought in an advanced logic student to stand on that paper. And every question he asked them, and he gave them the correct answer. He was the only one to get an A in the class. You know what? Sometimes we just need to sit back and reason, not freak out, not try to do it ourselves, not try to cram it all in there, but just realize there is a way that God will provide. Let me trust in him. Let me be patient and know that he is God. Truly, each of us, let's leave here living by faith and not by sight. And to God be the glory. Amen.